Hey there, this is Julie from Blended Life. Thank you for taking the time to download this episode of our podcast. I hope you find value in it. The truth is though, sometimes you need more than a podcast can offer to get unstuck and find peace in your blended family life. The struggle is real. So this is a personal journey I've been on for years, seeking peace in circumstances and with people I can't control. Becoming Heard was born out of this quest. As a certified life and health coach, I am passionate about helping others just like you and me free themselves from chronic upset and chronic crisis mode. Right now, I'm offering Blended Life listeners a one-on-one free breakthrough session with me. This call will give you clarity to see if coaching is right for you. Take advantage of this opportunity now by emailing me at becomingheardnow at gmail.com. I can't wait to connect with you. Hey everyone, I'm Eric. This is my wife, Julie, our little dog puck. And we are the Blended Life. What's up, everyone? Tonight. Tonight we're talking about attitude, attitudes. Attitudes. From the the kids in the home. Okay. We're talking about also, along with attitudes, to realize that everyone's their own person in our homes. Yep. And equality amongst the children. And then how can you, we're going to end it off. We're going to round it out with tips and tricks to help disassociate a ex from trying to control you in your home. <laughs> this Why is going to be good because <laughs> it's just, I can't wait. <laughs> that's oh. going to be funny. Oh, it's funny. I, I'm just, no, I'm curious. Like that's going to be, I almost want to start curious that. curious what you're going to say? Yes. We can yes. start there if you want. No. You want to finish it? Definitely want to finish That's it. A finisher. Yep. So you're going to be super excited because I printed no stories. Sweet. So I'm not paraphrasing. I am just reading what I posted. Our questions were going to be, and that's where we're going to go. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. So what are with all the attitude shifts surrounding remarriage? So that's the first one. Okay. And then going back and forth between homes that children of blended families put on display. How do parents handle it? What should be addressed and what should be ignored? (laughs) Everything. Everything addressed and ignored. Yes. So attitudes, attitudes around children. So we had someone write in and she said that everything... Her future stepkids, their fiancéd, okay. her future stepkids were fine until the engagement, and then engagement happened, and it's been strained. Like threw them for a loop, huh? It's been difficult. Like okay. she's noticed a shift in her relationship with the kids and how the kids are behaving and accepting of her, Right. and it's just different and not in a good way. That's a bummer. Okay. But I don't think it's unusual, and I think I understand why. Okay, let's hear why then, because <laughs> I'm like... That's a bummer, but I, you know, I also feel like you can only control yourself in that situation. Everyone kind of has their feelings, and um, when you become fiancéd, when you become French, um, it does it, like things are starting to get real. You know, it's like pregnancy; yeah. like it's not really, at least for us guys, it, until until mom is showing or you go in for that first heartbeat and the ultrasound. 
it's almost unreal. You know, it's it's surreal yeah. for us. And, um, you know, once you finally see that ring on the finger, kids are like, oh, this is really going to happen. That's yeah. right. It's all fun and games until it's real. <laughs> until someone gets married. And it's interesting because I think that when we introduce someone into our children's lives, you know, a, a special for a new, a new special friend. <laughs> yeah. We try to keep it. Oh, come on. Okay. Keep going. We try to keep it light. We try to keep it not serious. Right. right? So there's so much around that when it starts off, like that's how we come at it. Like, this is just a new friend. What do you think? Like everything's fun. We're making memories. Right. Even how we set up new new meets are are centered around like dinner and food and miniature golfing or bowling or we center it around fun activities right Mm -hmm. so that's how in the beginning kids think it's great right because it's fun it's it's like the the honeymoon phase before the honeymoon phase that's right like we we start off with kids making it fun because that we want that bonding we want our and so when shit gets real when the fun fades because that's hard to sustain, we're not miniature golfing and bowling every night. Of the I mean, week. we could be. We could put miniature golf in, I think, in the bathroom mm. and bowling in the hallway. But that's not what happens. It's like oh. not real life. So I think that as real life sets in or when you stop being surface and start getting real, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, what started off really great and everyone liking each other, that's all surface. It's not until you start, you know, with discipline and fights and when things aren't ice cream and sprinkles, it shifts. Right. Kids are like, whoa, this isn't fun. This is real life. Like having another parent and <laughs> hey, <laughs> light bulb goes off. They dupe me. Mm-hmm, exactly. This yeah. isn't a special new friend. This is a step parent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you okay. know what I mean, though? Right. So I think you put a ring on it, and now it's engagement time, and it's a whole new level of seriousness that's like a finality. And I think that that also pushes kids into having to really grieve the loss of their family all over again. Even though they don't think their care, their parents are going to get back together, even even if all of that stuff is is past and gone, and they don't have fantasies about that, I do think remarriage is such a final nail in that coffin of just like, okay, like it's a it's a final thing, and right. I think kids also have to, especially older kids, like younger kids, don't really think like that. They're just what are we more, talking like? Like Five teenagers. And under, seven and under. Okay. Yeah, I would even say like nine and under. Okay. But when you start getting 10 and above and kids are starting to think about life and consider things and have opinions and a lay of the land, like I think remarriage is kind of like, okay, like that that is really put to bed and they might have to kind of just process that a well, little that, bit. At you that know? age, they start to realize like what marriage is too and what... You start to realize a little more. Obviously, we do every year as we get older and older and older. But at like 10 and above, I can still remember memories like very well from when I was 10 years old that I 
can't necessarily remember much from when I was five, six, seven years old, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, you're starting to be a lot more aware at that point. Yeah. And permanent change can be hard, you know? And I think that there is a sense of grieving your your natural family for kids. And there's a sense of like dad or mom choosing this person is also a little bit could be alarming. Like right. that means, what does that mean for me? Like even if you've been living together and even if you've been doing life together, marriage shifts things and kids know that. And so they're probably just trying to figure out what everything's going to look like after marriage. Like, am I going to be less important to mom or dad? Mm -hmm. You know, am I going to be pushed aside, looked over, um, forgotten? Yeah. You know, and I think that it just, so what do you do when kids start questioning things, right? You calm them down. Yeah. So you sit down and have family dinner night and ask the kids, what do you guys think about the upcoming wedding? Like you be, you talk about it. You bring all those dark demons to light and realize that that's nothing to be afraid of. And well, you start talking about the good things that are well, going to happen. Well, you make them part of the conversation. You show them that yeah. they are still relevant. They still are part of this family. Um, this family is only going to be beneficial for them. This is only going to be a better thing. Mommy or daddy's going to be happier now. You know, yes, this miniature golf champion is now a parent figure, but they love you and they're here for you. So this yeah. is going to be a good thing. But trying to get kids on board with that is something that um I think conversation Yeah. Is, and it is selling it. Yeah. Yeah. Sell you that it. used car, man. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to sell it. Car. You have to re, and this is something you guys may or may not know. I'm about to be certified um, as a health and life coach. And one of the things that we talk about to help people is reframing. So you have to reframe things into from negative to a positive. So instead of it's beneficial to under to hear kids out and why they feel bad about something, but it's also important and it's a great technique for them to use later in life as adults to be able to turn that negativity and look at it, flip it, and be like, well, what is this situation trying to teach me if it's a bad situation or a hardship they've faced? Or what is this relationship that I broke up from? Well, what did you learn from it? What is... And so... With marriage, like, what are the positives? What is our family going to gain from this? And ask them that. You know, maybe it's less of you selling and more of you asking questions like, what do you guys think is going to be great about this? And if they don't have any or they're just stubborn teenagers or don't want to talk, you're going to be like, well, we're going to tell you. Right. Like, we're so excited because we get to do life together. We get to help each other out and have each other's backs, not just now, but forever. You know, when you guys are 30 years old as step siblings, you guys are going to still be able to call on each other Mm -hmm. for help or guidance, or you need a, you need a shoulder to cry on. Like this goes far beyond, you know, the positives go far beyond just the wedding and even the household. Yep. Yeah. We're now a, we're now a team. Yeah. You know, but, but getting everyone on board to let them know that they're part of that team, that's the conversation that needs to have that yeah. needs to happen. 
if someone's struggling with it. And I mean, yeah, it, attitudes. It, yeah, it's all attitudes. And you know, when you're dealing with teenagers, they're just shit full of attitudes. Like, they're high, low, up, down, emo, create like their hormones I mean are going through and I know it's been a while since we've been teenagers but man I remember I knew it all nobody knew anything you couldn't tell me I'm still like that I was saying nothing you know but like you they get in that indignant like I'm not impressed by anything like you guys think you're hot shit you're really not you know and I think that a lot of it's just that they're not our biological kids. So as a step parent, that's hard because I think one of the one of the kudos or special like one of the the good things about being a biological parent is that you have that gene that keeps you from killing your kid. Right? Like right. or I always say that like <laughs> when you're changing your kids diapers, their shit doesn't stick like if you're changing somebody else's kids diapers. Like you have a built-in like what is it? What am I talking about? You know <laughs> what I'm talking about? <laughs> you have like a built-in tolerance for your own kids when you're a biological parent or you've raised someone and taken a, you know, then a step parent doesn't have, doesn't come with that built-in tolerance for that child because they're not the biological parent. And it's just something that if you haven't raised this kid or you don't have all of the responsibility really like, Oh, a lot of the quirks and the habits, too, that you're not used to, that the other parent is used to, mm-hmm. are there, too. And you're like, I want to strangle you because I don't know where you picked up that quirk or habit. But I would yeah. not see that. I will not see my biological kid doing that same type of thing. Or you might know something about the ex, and the child is doing stuff that reminds you of <laughs> your spouse's ex, that you're like, oh, my gosh, like, this is insane. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everyone knows what I mean. Like, there's that that moment where you're like, i just going to say nothing. Yeah, we just can't escape the ex no matter we what. Can't. They come through our children. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I think that with step-parenting teenagers, it's extra hard just because that tolerance, like I said, that's normally built in is not there. And so it's a lot of grace. And it's a lot of not getting your feelings hurt, a lot of letting it roll off your back, a lot of redirecting your own thoughts to I'm not going to deal with this stinky attitude teenager. So I'm going to go read a book or go wash the sink full of dishes and just do something else than be around that. Right. Yeah. So take yourself out of that. And then if it's, you know, but have the conversations, open it up. Attitude shifts around engagement in marriage. I don't think is unnormal at any age. I think you just have to help calm the kids critter brains down right you have to just put their put their worries to rest and reassure them and tout the positivities and you know even if they don't act like they heard you you planted a seed they did hear you they're just asshole teenagers well and just because you tie the knot too you get married and everything should be great at that point there's also going to be that time to get over it now too for things to get normal again I feel like we went through this a little bit with our family like that first year and I'm sure it's different for every family but that first year of <laughs> being married and was we the been best to- year of your life oh my gosh <laughs> um 
I feel like it, it was rough. It was rough. It was and, rough. and why? It should have been. It easy. was the it hardest been... year we've had, even in eight. It, we're going on eight years now. I don't know, or twelve, or fifteen, or it was the. It was a really, really hard year. And that, yeah, and it made it feel like it was like a ten-year process. It was like the <laughs> longest year of my life. Like, why is everyone at everyone? And I think, I think a big part of that is everyone was trying to figure out their place in the family. Everyone was starting to settle. Like we all have these roles now. We're officially stepbrother and sister. This is mom and stepmom and dad and stepdad. Everyone and had titles. It was official. It was official. And I think it just took time. Yeah, for sure. For that to happen because it wasn't for a little while after that, that I'm like, I started hearing, I heard the boys first being like, Oh yeah, my stepbrother. They'd be talking to like a friend or something and mention their stepbrother. You know, <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, like that's it's interesting. And I remember, I remember my son talking about it quite a bit. You know, um, prior playing with his friends, and he would call. He'd be like, "Can I call him my stepbrother? Like he is my brother, right? Like we live together." And you know, so there was that confusion there, like trying to figure it out. Yeah, like, they were trying to okay? figure it out. So at that point, yeah. it was like it was confusion. But after after the the wedding, it was official, and then it was like, oh. Well, I don't really get to choose and I don't have to ask if he's my stepbrother because he is my stepbrother. So whether I like him or not, he's my stepbrother now, you know, so there was there was that confusion there. And I think especially them being, you know, right around teenage age, it was it was a little weird for them. Yeah. And I think that once marriage happens, everyone's like throws their best behavior out the window for some (laughs) reason. It's like, fuck it. Okay, there's Julie. Here we go, you guys. You get married and everyone's just like, fuck it. Oh my gosh. We are going to be and do, I'm sorry if I'm offending people, but there's no replacement phrase for that. I can't even, I can't even respond to negative reviews. I can't respond to good reviews, but I can't (laughs) respond to negative. There's so many times where I'm like, anyways. Oh, because of my cussing? Yeah. If I'm offending you, you just turn it off. Throw it out the window. Throw it out the window. Find a different podcast. This is real life here. We express our feelings in this place. But I think that a lot of that too, like, you know, everyone's kind of on their best behavior and then you get married and everyone's just like the excitement of the wedding's over. And it's just kind of like, here we are. And it's not as fun anymore. Right. Um, But the attitude shifts, what I want to talk about too, because this was also brought up was, um, the struggle is real, right? When children are going between the two homes and struggle is always real. And I remember my mom would always say this cause I am a product of divorce. My parents divorced when I was one year old. So I never knew my parents together. I grew up in two households, two households that were six hours apart. And so I remember when my mom would always say, and it was so annoying as a kid, but she'd always make a comment when I came back from my dad's house that it took me like two to three days to reacclimate and be myself again. Like I would come back from my dad's house and I would be moody or I would be different. As a kid, you, did you feel that? Like, yes. Did you, you felt different when you got home? Yes, hmm. because... Living in two homes is kind of like assuming a different identity because each home has its own set of rules, has its own culture. The way things are done are very different. And when I saw my dad, I stayed for a significant amount of time. It wasn't like a couple of days here, week on, week off. It was like a month or two during the summer. It was like a full week 
on breaks. So it was enough time where I completely got immersed into that lifestyle and how they did things. Mm -hmm. And then I'd come back in my mom's house and it was just, everything's just so different. And the, the households were so, so, so different. And so it's hard to have your world disrupted. You get into a groove and then you have to uproot and go and get into a different groove. And the personalities are different in each household. And it's hard, man. It's, it's hard to, it, that's, that's a really hard struggle that I can speak to as a, um, a dual blended family child. So yes, when kids, and I see that in our, in our children, maybe not yours, I see it more in mine, I think, when it's hard when the kids come back from their dads and they are a little moody and they're not their sweet loving selves that I've raised them to be and know them to be. It takes them, them until be. waking up the next morning. Yeah. Until they're like set in their way. Yeah. And, and you know what? I actually, when my son was younger, mm-hmm. we dealt with this a little bit and he wouldn't quite settle. So it was a very, very hard decision but we ended up going to week on, week off. And it's something I thought I would never, ever, ever agree to. Mm-hmm. But we do week on, week off. And sometimes it does take him a little bit of time to acclimate. Not all the time. Yeah. However, it allows him to get comfortable. He gets to settle. he settles. Yeah. Sometimes he gets too comfortable. <laughs> uh, but it's not It's not a bad thing. It's It's consistency for him. And I think a child like him consistency like that is a good thing versus bouncing back and forth you know you you never really get to settle and I think it was affecting him it was it was a tough thing yeah but when we're talking about so it's just it's normal when attitudes like kids have to adjust there's an adjustment period between homes um and you just kind of got to find like Eric said this is what works best for his son um and Every kid is very different, but it is hard when kids, and especially when they're teenagers, you throw the teenage BS on top of it, on top of the already hard thing of going between homes. And um, I don't think it gets easier. I think kids just adapt, you know, like this is just their new reality. But, you know, they have different things at different homes. Their favorite genes may not be at the right home that they're at. Right. Um, different friend groups in different homes. Like it's it's a tough situation for kids to go back and forth and um, adjust and get acclimated. So while, I mean, I would just say that it's normal, extend grace, expect and demand respect, right? But you ha- kind of have to let kids... Like my advice with teenagers going between homes is don't push it. Don't be all up in their business. Let them come in, go to their rooms and just settle and, you know, try to engage with them. If that's not going well, they're not receptive. Just let them be, you know, obviously they shouldn't be disrespectful, right? They should not be disrespectful. They should be not be throwing stuff in the house or kicking the dog. Right, because they're mad. But, I mean, like, if they're just quiet and they don't want to engage, I think that's okay. I think that they're just processing and dealing with their own teenage hormones on top of well, and, that, and that's something, hard. And that's something, too. I think a lot, of, a lot of us, and I've seen it in our immediate situation, I feel like a lot of people look to the blended family or the blended family situation yeah. and say, 
this is why my kid's acting up. <laughs> this is what's going on. It's because of this and that situation. Right. And we don't give we don't give the fact that they're teenagers any credence, you know? I'm like, I knew plenty of kids in natural biological nuclear families that acted out way worse than anything yeah. we have ever seen. And they had great, loving, church-going homes that, you know, didn't have a care in the world, yet they were the ones that got in the most trouble and yeah. ended up doing terrible in life. So it's not always, it's not always your immediate situation. It could just be where your kid's at in life. And if if you guys care enough that you're watching or listening to a podcast about blended family with myself and Miss Potty Mouth over here, then you care enough to have these kind of talks with your kids and talk to them and, and, and realize what's going on, whether they're your kid, your biological kid, or your stepkid. Yeah. And I think that right there tells you, like, okay, I'm aware of the situation. Is it because they're a teenager or is it because our situation is affecting them? And I, I think... Both. Yeah, I'll say I think I think most of us are smart enough to figure that out. But let that calm you down. Let that back you off the cliff. And, you know, this is the time where step parents step back a little bit. You know, try not to get your feelings hurt so much. Don't be so emotionally invested that you're just your feelings are constantly hurt because that's not helpful. Your feelings being constantly hurt and you constantly putting yourself out there emotionally in such a a way. Um the kid doesn't benefit from it. Your marriage certainly won't. You are going to go down a rabbit hole of just darkness. So I would just say get distracted, let things roll off. And it takes practice, right? So you have to be mindful about it. You have to practice like you have to self-talk. I'm not going to let this bug me. Or, oh, well, I guess he just doesn't feel like talking to me today and move on, right? Like acknowledge it and move on and don't dwell on you know, what's all a, the bad. What's that old saying? The best years are yet to come. <laughs> I feel like that's that's a lot with our blended families, right? You're like, man, we're always is, hoping for it the is next rough year. right now, you know, <laughs> but really, like, truly the best years are yet to come. Like, think about it when if we do our if we do our part now and we were talking about something about this on our walk a little while ago and you're like, if I put in the extra effort now, yeah. I'm not going to have to do as much work later. Right. Right. And I feel like parenting is a lot like that. The more effort we put in now Mm -hmm. and the more that we teach our kids and and we just we mold them into being better human beings. Yeah. The 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 less hard, the easier it's going to be to mold them and turn them into good human beings later. And then truly the best will be yet to come because then these kids are going to grow up. They're going to get good jobs. They're going to have families or not. But. And be good parents. Yeah, but you're going to be able to look back and be like, man, I did a good job. They're going to look at you and go, you know what, mom and dad, you did a good job. And you're just going to be able to hang out with your kids and enjoy them, whether right. they live nearby or they live far apart. You you guys are going to enjoy one another and you're going to you're going to be able to take a deep breath and relax and be like, you know what? Those years were so rough. Yeah. You know, they, the, when the when the kids are brand new babies, that's a that's a rough time to go through and that's fun and we always miss those stages but we never remember how exhausted we are in those sleepless nights and the the 
I just dirty want to diapers, shower. That, just <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? You remember the fun little cute things. and I got to hold uh, them and they made the cute noises. And the way they smell. And, and, yeah, oh. all the, uh, babies smell good. A little baby breath. So, anyways, look at me funny. But babies, yeah. Little no, babies. you're right. Smell, you know, but I feel like also, so then there's that gap where all the kids are teenagers and then they're stinky and just. And all of them, stepchildren, <laughs> biological children. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like they all stink. They all have attitudes. They all play with disrespect, right? Your kid isn't disrespectful because they're a step kid. And we like to blame it on that. Like sure. my kids, is, like the step kid is just disrespectful because they're a step kid. Mm. 50% most, right? The uh, most, it's probably because they're a teenager. 50% of the time, they're a teenager every time. Right. So it's kind of like, I don't know. I just think we can't blame stuff solely on being a step kid. Just like you can't blame things solely on being a step parent, right? Everything's not the step parent's fault. Every failed relationship isn't the step parent's fault. But I think the stepchild and the stepparent are an easy scapegoat and an easy way to, it's easy to put things on them right? and not have to look at other things. Anyway, okay, moving on. Helping the kids realize that each member of the family is unique. How to help grow respect and honor for one another's styles, body types, abilities, limitations, hobbies, interests, and personalities. Specifically, how to go about family diets when some need to lose weight and others don't. Should everyone do it or not? Why are you laughing? This is a real <laughs> question somebody wrote in about. I love everyone's questions and I love everyone writing in. Oh and my I appreciate gosh. not having to write them. And I'm not even like I was like. I'm not even reading stories or paraphrasing. I know. Just, I was I'm silly about going. last week's, but it's because I had to read so much. And I, I got thrown into that and had no idea what I was going to read. And then I got made fun of for, for the way I'm reading it well, while, while trying to produce a podcast, talking to a microphone and like it was just it was not going well. So I just it uh, it makes me laugh because I'm you're your own unique person. <laughs> I am my own unique person with quirks and teenage abilities. Yeah. So I think that it's important to and step parents take heed because your step kid is not going to be like your biological kid. <gasps> <laughs> Let me say that again. Your stepchild is not going to be like your biological child. And that's okay. Right? They're different. And step parents get really hung up on this because they're like, their kids are a certain way. Their stepkids should be this way. And it's like, why would you even expect that? They're not biologically the same. They probably aren't being parented exactly the same if they're going in between two households. Their life experiences are completely different, you know? And so we have, we're so hell bent on everyone fitting into this mold. And that's just the antithesis of blended life. Like everybody's very unique. And that's, challenging our family has that challenge we have zero shared hobbies or interests on all five of us well no you and your son <laughs> are like com like no you and your son are carbon copies and have like shared interests outside of that relationship you and I don't have hobbies we go on walks they go on walks okay my and kids we love our dogs 
all of the kids have different hobbies and interests. Right. All three of the kids that live in the household. I don't share hobbies and interests anymore with any of the kids. And so... As you're saying this, I'm trying to figure out what everyone's hobbies and interests are. We don't know anymore. COVID kind of deleted all that. uh, It's a reset. as, As she's saying this, are you guys thinking about this too? Like, what are my hobbies and interests? What are my wife or... Or husband's hobbies or interests. What are what's this kid's hobbies or interests? And at the end of the day, you're like, who are these people? Yeah. Well, I mean, you and I do have blended life. I will say that has been such a blessing. I don't want to discount that right now because it is something that we do together that was born of us that is good. But I'm just saying, like, in our and that's hard when you don't have that because there's nothing really to all go do and bond over and like together. And when that's missing, it's hard. And I think it gets worse as kids grow up and get to be teenagers because now they have minds of their own. When kids are little, we kind of take them to the park and everyone plays and everyone's really happy. If we're going bowling, everyone's really excited because they're just it's little all fun followers. And, yeah. and when they're teenagers, they have their own opinions, their own desires, their own, you know, tastes, what's cool, what's not, what's fun, what's not like they're completely growing into their own people and and you notice what started out like if you see me I'm holding my hand up if you don't see me I'm holding my hand up and all my fingers are pressed together and then you watch this and as we as our kids get older and we grow up too because we're getting older and our likes change we're not stuck we're we're ever growing right we start doing this like we're still on the hand but we're more separate, like we're, our fingers grow apart. And so it's hard to rein everyone in. You went from Michigan to Ohio. <laughs> anyway, so, but it's, it's honoring that. I think that how you make a blended family work is you honor, accept, and celebrate each other's differences. As long as, right, nobody's hurting themselves or others. You know, you want to let your kids be their own unique person. Something that I've realized with my daughter, because she's growing up in two homes, and this has been a recent issue, is she's her own person, and she's the only girl in our home other than me, but in her dad's home, she has a stepsister and a stepmom, and so it's equal in that house, boys-to-girl ratio. And so she doesn't look anything like her stepmom and stepsister, but her stepmom and stepsister are biologically related, right? So they look alike. And so she's kind of like the outlier and doesn't, her body type's not the same. Her coloring's not the same. Her, none of her, but like her metabolism isn't going to be the same. Nothing is going to be the same, but that is, that is something that is a mold that she struggles with trying to fit into and so watching that is a little bit interesting as a mom. Right. But my point is, is that if you have a kid in your home and you're trying to make them be something they're not, it's going to create more issues for the child, which in turn will create more issues in your home. Does and, that make and, sense? And in return will create more issues for the child later on down the road. You know, for sure. I mean, do you want your kid comparing themselves to everyone else or do you want them walking tall and confident in who they are and liking who they are? Like, why aren't we teaching our kids to like who they are and honor who they are? Your son's in that same situation when he's here. You know, what do you mean? Your son is like, it's 
there's two other boys in the house, males in the house. We identify as male in this house. <laughs> and they, we don't look, we're all genetically different. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like my son and I are a lot closer and um, have a lot more of the same hobbies and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I mean, he's, th- he's yeah, your and, buddy, and he, yeah. Yeah, and he's, and your son's different than completely. us, you know, completely yeah, different. completely different. His hobbies, his thoughts, his his looks. So it, we just had a small, it, not even like a situation, but we just had a small incident where I'm like, look, bud, like talking to your son, be yourself. Don't be afraid to get made fun of. Don't be afraid of what other people think. It's okay to be yourself. And I made him think about the bigger picture and what other people might do or say in this incident. And it's, I think I got his wheels turning, but at the end of the day, maybe he wasn't comfortable with, with what I was telling him, you know, how he can be himself, Mm -hmm. but at least he knows like, all right, well, at the end of the day, my stepdad's not going to judge me. My stepbrother's not going to judge me. No one in this family, in this household is going to be allowed to judge me. So (laughs) he will judge himself. Yeah. So, I mean, so yes. So he might judge himself. However, Mm -hmm. He knows it's okay to be himself yeah. in this house. So at the end of the day, anyone's making fun of him, anything's going on, he's going to be able to come home to our home. And be safe. And be safe and relax. And yeah. be himself. Yeah. And know? he said that as much. He feels like he can be who he is here. And that is such a win as a mom. I'm grateful for you for saying that. And I'm just grateful that we're creating a space where kids feel safe. I mean, they have to be respectful and yes, there are boundaries around what they're allowed to do. But I mean, for the most part, they are going to be able to be their quirky selves. Right. So let's talk about, cause this was something that was written in and talking about everyone's different and unique. So this person um, was talking about how her herself even Herself, her husband, and her stepchild or children are overweight. Okay. And they want to do a diet. Okay. Because they want, it's like, it's 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 necessary. In their household. Yeah, it's okay. necessary to lose weight. However, her biological child or children are grossly underweight, like 97 pounds. Okay. And like a teenager. So, like, has to drink shakes to get calories right. in. So, they are at two different... Ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And so she's challenged because her husband wants them all to do this this dieting together because it's not fair. (laughs) But it would kill the other two. It would kill the the small ones. Yeah. (laughs) Well, because they have to have like, they have to have, what do you call it? I'm just having a brain fart. But they have to have supplements to get enough calories to keep, to try to gain weight. Right. And so, but her husband says that basically it's not fair that these two kids are going to be able to have all this good stuff and the rest, my two kids, are being, you know, denied these good foods and having to eat. And I will tell you, it's hard in our house. Like, when one kid can't have something, it does kind of mean no one can have it because then we can't keep it in the house because how do you regulate that? Yeah, it turns into an issue. It turns into an issue. And I think this is a lot bigger than just a blended family issue. This is something, me personally, I'd be like, try to find a meal plan. Talk to a professional, a nutritionist, and come up with a meal plan that will work. Now, I feel 
and again, I'm not a professional at this, nor are we professional at anything we do in life. But I'm about to be. Uh, I guess I am somewhat. But you are. We are. I'm a professional dog walker. Um, so I feel like you can figure out a healthy eating plan. Again, probably talk with the nutritionist and figure out a healthy meal plan that will work for everyone in the house. And when it comes to servings, the serving sizes, the the proportions are going to be a little different. Now, just because these kids are small and underweight and the other ones might be overweight doesn't mean that they should be eating whatever they want, however they want. Because as you know, certain foods affect not just weight and it affects it affects your brain. It affects the way you think. It affects moods, right? So we are created to eat fruits, vegetables. I mean, we have there's there's a whole food group. <laughs> there's you know food groups and and we are created to eat um, you know different types of things. You know whether it be meats, fish, dairy, um, uh. Vegetables. What? Vegetables. I Fruits. didn't want to say it out loud. <laughs> guys, that's me admitting it. Vegetables. <laughs> um, but I feel like you could get your family on a good family health nutrition plan that will work for everyone. And it's gonna and it's then gonna come down to to portions. It's gonna come down to okay, well, you're only ninety seven pounds. This is the proper portion for someone at your age you know, at your size, et cetera, they can all still eat the same thing. When it's, when it's ice cream night, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be ice cream night for only the two that weigh 97 pounds. It should be ice cream night for everyone. You shouldn't have to change the entire household eating habit just because of two. It, it, it's one of those things like you talk to a nutrition, they're gonna be like a nutritionist. I got this, you know, this is easy. This is what your meal plans need to look like. This is okay for everyone. These are portions for each person in your family and just because the other ones are overweight so to say doesn't mean their portions are all going to be the same too one might be overweight at 20 years old and one might be overweight at 60 years old well your portions are going to look different metabolisms are a lot different at those ages right yeah you need to cut out different things well and i just think i'm just thinking real quickly your stepdad was not overweight he was never overweight when i met him he loves sweets and loves candy at a certain age sweets and candy your body just can't handle anymore i'm gonna die by the time i'm that age gosh (laughs) but i think that it's such an opportunity to teach your kids if if you're listening and this was your question or you're dealing with different dietary needs in the house this is such an opportunity to educate your family for sure and so I would, instead of making it such a power struggle or team A gets to eat everything, team B gets to eat nothing, um, instead of pitting each other against each other using food as weapons, right? It's such an opportunity to teach um, not only nutrition and health, but also teach tolerance and understanding, teach grace that, you know what, things aren't always equal, Like, this is life. You know, for me, I have to work really hard to be this big. I'm not a naturally tiny, skinny, little girl. Like, I'm this big and it's because, and I could be bigger. 
right? Like my body isn't a little, you know, but I have friends who can eat whatever they want. And that's, you know, it's life. Like these children are going to go out in the world. She calls me a friend. Yes. These children are going to go out in the world and they're going to encounter people who are going to be able to eat everything they want and still weigh 110 pounds or eat nothing and they're struggling to to be at the 200 pound mark. Like that is just life. And so I think in this situation, you have to start communicating and teaching that and having conversations. They're never too young to start having conversations about differences, especially biological. If these children are step siblings and they're not biologically the same, oh my gosh. Like that is something that is just a fact. Like you're never going to look like this person. You share zero, zero genes. Like your body's going to metabolize so different. You know, you're going to digest different. They might be have food sensitivities that are different that are making them be overweight because their body isn't able to digest it properly. Right. This is such an opportunity. So I think if you can just shift and reframe the way of thinking as bad or deprivation and more of like education and tolerance and it is what it is. And and this is a lifelong struggle and you're going to struggle forever to keep weight on. You're going to struggle for forever to keep weight off. That's, that's everyone. And that's okay. Like it's okay to show that everyone has different struggles because their wife, when they marry is going to have her own struggle Their husband, when they marry, is going to have his own struggle. The kids that they have are going to have their own struggles. And if you don't teach that it's okay to work within everyone's struggles and you are trying to fit everyone into this box, it's really going to set them up for disappointment when they're adults and living on their own and trying to figure out life. Well, yeah, and it's also, it's going to put them into their own boxes where they might become entitled, they might feel lesser than, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues that can happen here. So being able to get everyone on the same track, I think is just a healthy thing talking about it, you know? And yes, we're not all equal. We're all, we're all mentally equal in this family, but we aren't all equal. Like it's, you know, but we're going to do what we can. And I think everyone's plates regardless should look different. Right? My 10-year-old's plate should look different That's, than that your was my, plate. That yes. was my point. The portions, portions. But I think that even if you're not dieting, my the point I'm trying to make is that even if you're not dieting, you're not expecting a 3-year-old to eat the same amount, you know, your 45-year-old husband is. Right? Like, and that's okay. So, should a family diet together? I mean, it's going to, even if you are all dieting together, everyone's plates are going to look different. Right, and that's what that was my point of right. talking to a professional nutritionist, nutritionist yeah. because they're going to be able to point it. you in the right direction, or for sure, or even um, you know a family physician. You know the uh, the kids are depending on how old they are. Started the, the, the pediatrician. pediatrician. Yep, exactly. Yep. You you know ask around, ask professionals, and um, if something sounds off, it might be off. Get a few different yeah. opinions. I mean, yeah. we could be totally wrong. An experiment. Wrong. Experiment with things. See thinking, what works. Speaking of experimenting, I was thinking of something that, like a hobby of ours. <laughs> not really a hobby, but. You can't talk about that. That we share <laughs> mostly in the bedroom. <laughs> it's our dogs. Our dogs are always in the bedroom with us, and they're always around are us. Are they our hobby? I'm like, they're we, kind of our hobby. We love them. Yeah, I'm like, we talk about them and do a lot with them. 
these days and they share a bed with us and we it's a lot them. like having a newborn in the bed. Okay, moving on. <laughs> is it right for your spouse to openly okay so this was a question well all these are questions that were written in about speaking of if you have a question for us or a topic or a situation you would like discussed on air or something that you think would be helpful to other people or a new perspective you are wanting feel free to get in touch on social media or email or whatever. And, um, we love that. So write in. Okay. Is it right for your spouse to openly say he or she loves you and their child equally? What about if they can't let their child know that they put you first? What do you do when every single fight is about said child? So this was a step parent who had written in and this father has a daughter. Okay. And so he openly says that to the daughter Mm -hmm. that he loves daughter and wife equally. Okay. And so she's wondering if that's right. Well, it's kind of like one of those context things. Like you and I argue about who loves the dogs more and which dog loves us more. (laughs) But at the end of the day, we know they love me more. (laughs) so it's kind of in context you know yeah well i think they're asking because on this podcast we always have we hierarchy tout the hierarchy because that's our faith-based belief right god spouse children everyone else underneath right that is our belief system not everyone shares that belief system but we do so um, and regardless, if, if you don't, you can still have that hierarchy in your family, starting with your family or what you believe in. Yeah. You know? But if you and your spouse rule the home, everything else is going to have to follow suit. Yeah. If you let the children or a parent and a child mm-hmm. run the home, the parent and the child are going to run the home or the child's going to run the home. Right. And it's what, whatever mm-hmm. you <laughs> allow mm-hmm. in your home. Right. Yeah. And, and regardless, none of the children should be equal to your spouse. Like, um, equal meaning not that you can't love them equally. Like love is yeah. infinite. You can, there's not, an, there's not a finite amount of love you can give. So whatever, but. And just, you know what, if it gets overwhelming, just give it away. But I don't think that parent and child should be equal. Right. No, but like, what happens if your 10-year-old walks up to us in the living room and goes, Mom, do you love Eric or me more? What do you say? Chip. <laughs> That's our dog. That's one of our dogs. <laughs> That's one of our dogs. He clearly loves me more. Don't no, ask truly, questions you're not prepared to know the answer for. <laughs> you know, I mean, I get that. I get that you want to satisfy a little person's desire for... Oh, Comfort. I don't know. I, I don't remember the ages. I didn't bring anything. I just brought questions tonight because you don't like stories. Um, I'm I think over here that, making jokes. I'm I sorry. well, I think that her. I think her problem she is is I didn't. I think her problem is is that she feels like her stepchild and her are on are equals. Like not love equals, right, but right, like right, right, right. Like equals, Dad like is putting them on the same. They're all field. in this this marriage together. And we all run this house together. I think that's, that's the that's issue. where she's, and that's I'm sure that's where she's coming from. That is where she's and coming. So, from. 
So I think this is just a conversation that needs to be had, yeah. you know, and, and with without the child involved in the conversation and Absolutely. be like, look, are we running this house together? And if so, that's OK. I just need to know we're on the same page. And when little Susie asks who you love more or that's an attention thing, isn't it? It's a kid. Yeah, reaching and out. it's and an again, insecurity it, thing that. But it's also, a, again, yeah. it's in context. It's also in context. They could be. Right. Like, I mean, you have to, a, a step parent has to grow some sort of thick skin or you're just going to have your feelings hurt all the time, all the time. Right. Like every, every situation is an opportunity to have your feelings hurt. Every situation is a top opportunity to be offended. Every situation is an opportunity to be angry. So you really have to decide to not you have to decide that you're going to have some thick skin, let some things roll off your back, put things in context, like back yourself off a cliff, decide to communicate your issues with your spouse and not hold it in. I think a lot of it is we hold it in and hold it in and hold it in because we don't want to create issues. And then we just live resentful. We live bitterness. And then when that isn't a coping skill that works anymore, we explode and things are now 20 times worse than they back. had to yeah, be. Yeah, and then you can't put it back in the bag. It's yeah. just a problem now. So I think Eric's right. I think have the conversation if you're really feeling, like if it isn't just to satisfy a little girl's need for love and, and acceptance and comfort, like allow that, right? Allow that grace. But you should know in your heart of hearts where you stand with your husband and be comfortable with it. And if you are insecure... If you also have a little insecure person that lives inside of you, like, wait, what about me? Then you really have to have that conversation with your husband and give your husband the opportunity to also put your mind at ease. You know, like give your husband the opportunity to step up and be the husband you need him to be. Um, and I think he just might. Hopefully he married a good man who has his priorities straight and you guys kind of had that talk. Like I think Eric and I had the hierarchy talk before we got married. If I'm not mistaken, I feel like we had, we had shared beliefs. So that wasn't something that I need reassurance on. You know what I mean? So if you haven't had that talk, maybe have it. Um, and I think it's deeper issues than dad loving each other equally. I think it's about power struggle. Yeah. But again, in context, again, in context, it could be just a little girl, just, yeah. Having fun, just asking, you know, because yeah. she's curious and little kids ask questions. And and the, the third part of this question was, what do you do when every fight? That, so she asserts here that every fight that her and her husband had are about the child. I don't think that's uncommon. It's not. And that's the sad part. <laughs> it, I think that's blended family life. It is. But find a way to break that cycle. Find a way to mm-hmm. break the... The fight, you know, every time you guys fight about every time you guys are fighting, it's about money. Figure out why you guys are fighting about money and how you change that. How what makes us both happy? You know, is it getting all of our bills paid off and living a certain way? Is it running up credit cards and living a certain way? What is it that makes us both feel good about this conversation? It's the same conversation that you're going to have about the child, you know, or about your, your family. Because I think it's not even about the child. I think when you're fighting about your, your stepchild, you're really fighting about your marriage. 
you're just using the stepchild. I think that a lot of the times it's a power struggle in marriage or um, it's control issues. You know, you step parents want to control something and they feel out of control or feel slighted. And so that creates frustration. Um, but really it's a, it's a problem in the marriage. You know, it's, it's, you're not getting a need met and you feel like attention's being given to the stepchild and not you, or you're having an issue with that the, the, your partner is allowing disrespectful behavior and not having your back. Right. But that's a marriage problem. It, it totally that's is. That's not it, a kid comes, problem, right? No, not at all. It has nothing to do with the kid. Usually it's one of those things that needs to be yeah. talked about, communicated about and worked out between Husband the, and wife. Yeah, the adults. Yeah. And so because the worst thing for us, there, there's nothing worse for a step parent to feel not supported. So it's really hard for a step parent to be told, have this responsibility, right? Treat my kid like your own. You have all the, all the, you know, and then you do, and then they're offended or you get backlash or you're not supported or whatever, you and your right. yeah. and your spouse totally threw you to the wolves, and then let you die on the field. Like that feels horrible, and I think that that's a lot of you know issues that happen in blended families. But we we put it on the child because it's the child acting out or misbehaving or causing problems. But it's really the your spouse doesn't have your back, or you guys don't have shared parenting styles and values or the communication's just not the communication's not there yeah or you're having insecurities in your marriage you know this this sounds to me like there's an insecurity in marriage and I could be completely wrong and that's a really hard thing to see and accept if that's you but a lot of times it's like you're not feeling loved or cared for or you're not getting some need met and you're seeing your stepchild get all their needs met and all the attentiveness and all the care and concern and consideration and you as the spouse get none of that and you're like why isn't my husband or wife showing up for me like they are their children because the dogs are in the bed and then that's where the bitterness and resentment grows towards stepchildren or dogs or spouses (laughs) So I think that this is a hard situation, but I think it can be talked about and put to rest on some level. And if it is just what it is and it's something you have to accept, then you got to figure out how you're going to do some self-care to feel good. I know how people can do self-care to feel good. Women. Yeah? Yeah. You want to do that now? No. Oh, afterwards. How? But I was going to tell them about oh. your color street and your nails and everything which we're gonna start doing some ads for you because we don't make money on these podcasts so we're gonna we're gonna make you the money maker here i know our family needs to pay bills so i'm working my butt off love i'm working my butt off you are i need to we we have one more question you didn't even hear that i did no that's why okay just kidding last question that was the one you're most excited about oh i was trying to avoid it how can you get a toxic bio parent to back off from attempting to control what goes on in your home and in your relationships with your spouse and your kiddos. Gosh, did you just drop the mic? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's one of those that like you really just, the less credence you give 
the the other parent and the less if you don't let them control your household they're not going to control your household now your kids going to go to the other house and they're going to be affected by it but you need to also not let the kid affect you when you when they come home so if you if you show oh that's a good point emotions to your ex when they do something they're going to know this is how I rile them up. If your kid comes home and they say something and you show emotions, your kids are going to know this is how I get mom or dad to pay attention to me. This is how I get things riled up. And chances are kids report back to the other parent. So also you need to, I mean, kids are going to report things that didn't even happen or are out of context. But I would say the best advice is give the kids nothing to go back to the other house with. So as Eric's saying with emotion, right, You that really upset my mom when you said that or whatever. Like kids go and they try to, de- and it comes from a good place sometimes, right? Like kids are just trying to defend parents. But then that information passing that happens back and forth between homes through kids also riles up parents, And causes problems. And so I think that the less you fuel that or give kids to say, like not every conversation you should have in front of kids. I've had to learn that the hard way. You have had to learn that the hard way. And I feel like I don't toot my horn much, but this is one of those things. (laughs) You walk around toot toot (laughs) Toot, all the day long. Um, Really finding the time to talk about things. And I don't do this. I don't wait till a conversation's over and then talk to you in private to undermine your kids or their confidentiality or their, you know what I'm talking about? I don't, I don't talk behind their back to talk behind their back or my kid for that reason or for that matter. I wait until the kids are gone to have a conversation with you because I feel like us as adults need to figure this out without the kids. This is, yes, yes it's about the kids, but it's not the kid's decision it's not the kid's choice and we have seen this backfire and somewhat recently um where you and i have had a conversation and one of the kids went to the other house and boom it backfired and it came back and it was like whoa that was out of context that's not the way it was supposed to be that's not the what i was saying or what i meant but it totally blew up and the 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 other parent was pissed off about the conversation the kid was involved in the conversation they're in the middle now and now it is now we're pissed off about the conversation now it is yeah all sides of the whole family you know minus the other kids but their house the kid our house yeah and it's a big issue so a lot of times i will wait until the kids have left the dinner table the kids are back up their room and i'll be like i heard how you handled that i was you know but what do you think about this or what about this or yeah we'll have the conversation after the fact and that leaves the kids out of it yeah and and it and it's hard because you have to bite your tongue there's a lot of things there's a lot of things especially me like I want to say a lot of things I want to (laughs) make a lot of jokes I want to you know I want to be really rude about some things because things are being said rude and I am one of those people if you know me I'm the nicest person until you've 
done something terrible and then I'm not someone You're that the you devil. want. Yeah, and then I don't aware. you don't want to be <laughs> you are aware. She's aware, ladies and gentlemen. No, but really, like I'm very, very you reserved. You make people feel bad really quickly. I know I'm very reserved yes. until I'm not and then all rules go out the window. Yes. And it, there's not many, many, many people. There's there's hardly anyone in the world that knows that part because it's not okay. But if there's a point where you're like yeah, I think you guys know, like once you cross, like so once someone has crossed the line, you're like, I'm going to let you know that you've crossed <laughs> the line mm-hmm. and that line has been crossed. Yeah. And my line is so far away that if you do finally cross that line, it's like <laughs> game on. Yeah. You're not coming back from that. Yeah. I think you have to be really careful what you say around the kids. I think you have to be careful because kids are the biggest information sharing thing that happens between homes, right? Because your exes aren't living in your home with you. You're not living in your ex's home. You know a lot of what goes on just because kids are talking about their life or tattling on mom and dad or being little a-holes and like, well, well mom does to, it this way or, or dad does it Or they know how to get way. attention. It's a way of getting a so feeling. So I think it starts with with reserving. Not Kids shouldn't be privy to every conversation um, not about finances because that goes into the other house and the other household thinks you've got money when you don't or think you're, you know, like it's just not. It doesn't matter what they think. And that's the, that's the problem there. Yes. But whatever it is, also be careful about fighting in front of kids while kids need to see healthy disagreements so that they learn how to have disagreements and make up. Be careful that you're not talking rude to your spouse or how you're talking to your spouse because that also gets reported back and nothing makes a toxic ex happier than having a juicy nugget of information to use against you later. Or maybe it doesn't even go that far. But this is the control. This is the this is what I'm saying. Like when you give a toxic ex juicy nuggets of your personal life, they will use it to try to manipulate a situation or control a situation. Even if you're not handing it to them, the kids are. Right. Or social media is. So be careful what you're putting out there. So, I mean, you have to be super mindful with your children is step one. Step two is you don't talk to your ex about anything other than custody issues and the kids. You're not sharing with your ex anything about your spouse, yourself, your friends, your family, Like, if it's not to do with the kids, you have to create some pretty hefty, strong boundaries about interactions. If you're truly dealing with a toxic ex who wants to control things, right, you have to set some boundaries and stick by it, you know? Um, What? Nothing. Oh. No, I'm right there with you. Right. I mean, unless you, you know, on this conversation and this topic, yes, that's the way. If you're co-parenting great and you have a friendship with your ex or maybe your spouse's ex and you guys get along well, well, that's different. That's not for this conversation. Yeah. But really, like, you know your boundaries. You know what mm-hmm. is right and what can go out yeah. and what will get used against you. And just slow down a little bit and be... Slow down. That's a great point. You know better. You know better. So be smart. Act smart. Um, and also like all know, like what you allow is what's going to continue. So like Eric started off this whole topic by saying, if you're allowing your ex to control what you do and 
how you run your home, then that's on you. That's not the ex's fault. That's your fault. So if you're allowing it, if you're allowing your ex to have conversations that, you know, you're entertaining conversations about things in your home, then that's on you. You know, you can stop that. You don't have to respond to every text. You don't have to answer every question. You're not required to talk to them about things that aren't concerning the children and the custody you share between the two homes. You know, you're not required to talk about your child's relationship with their step-siblings or their step-parent in your home. That's not a requirement. And a controlling person, especially a controlling ex, will ask you those things. Will want to know everything. Like you owe them or like they demand it from you. Yeah, I'm the mom. I should know. Or I'm the dad. I should know. You don't have to. So... I mean, you just kind of have, and and it's the bio parent that leads the charge, which makes the spouse slash step parent frustrated because when you're on the outside of a co-parenting relationship and seeing the dysfunction and seeing the toxicity of what's happening in the co-parenting situation, it's really hard to watch that and not say anything. You just are powerless. So all you can do is be there in support and try to, give suggestions, but then oftentimes when they're not asked for, you get, you know, that's not ever fun. Like I didn't ask for your opinion. I didn't ask for yours. So I don't know. That's a hard one, but it can be done. You just have to shift the way you do things. If nothing changes, nothing changes. Boom. Boom. Drop the mic. We're done. Have a good night. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. I'm not even going to do our sign out. You just did it for us. Thanks. Peace out. No, you guys, thanks for for being a blended family with other blended family and being part of our blended family. <laughs> Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thanks guys. Follow us on all the social media. Peace. We out. <laughs> Bye you guys. Hey, it's Julie again. I hope this episode of Blended Life started a conversation that you will finish in your home. But I get it, right? Sometimes you need more. My offer still stands. If I can interest you in a free one-on-one breakthrough session with me to see if coaching is right for you, contact me now at becomingheardnow at gmail.com and let's get you unstuck. Becomingheardnow at gmail.com. I look forward to it.